This is New Classical Tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Mocker. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing that you can do for the show is to tell somebody else about it, help spread the word, and take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. About 20 years ago, French pianist Alain Grimaud received a gift. It was the 24 silent songs of Ukrainian composer Valentin Silvestrov. She's been just savoring that gift all these years, waiting for the right opportunity to record these songs. She needed to find the right professional partner. That's where German-Romanian baritone Konstantin Krimmel comes in. He had the time and he had the willingness to bring these songs to life. And that's what we're going to be hearing about this week on new classical tracks from American Public Media. It's the music of silence with Alain Grimaud and Constantine Krimmel. Welcome, Ilan. I'm so glad to have this conversation with you. We're talking about your new recording, The Music of Silence. Um, you first were exposed to silent songs by Ukrainian composer Valentin Silvestrov about 20 years ago, and it was because you received them as a gift. Who gave you that gift? Uh, Manfred Eicher from the ECM um, label. And... Um, yeah, I'm indebted to him forever because who knows if I would have become familiar or when with Valentin Silvestrov's music. And it was it was quite a revelation. I fell in love with, with his world right there and then upon listening to exactly this song cycle, albeit in its entirety, all 24 of them. What is it about the world of Valentin Silvestrov that you find so captivating? For me... His music is, is poetry. It has a, a very special transparency. It's, it's, it's pure. It's simple in the language, but it's extremely powerful. It's very expressive. It's music which uh, emanates from the soul, speaks to the human soul, has great humanity, is, is so expressive. You know what they say in French, this expression uh, à fleur de peau, something which is right there to the surface of the skin, reaches deep and it is um, is really pervasive. I mean, it's it's something which grabs you by the by the heart, by the hand, and takes you quite far. It's really a beautiful a beautiful journey. Has a very special texture, color. This again, this shimmering um, transparency where you can you can you know you can just see. It's like a, a it's like a mirror in a way. So. Of course, then the question becomes, do you like what you see? Do you like what you see? In the fact that we're still capable of the best, yes. I'm curious how you selected the 12 pieces that are featured on this recording, because that's half of the songs. How did you go through and decide, this is the half that I'm going to represent? At least for now, maybe you'll represent the other half in the future. 
yes, we we intend on working on and, and playing the, the entire cycle. But this was already quite a large undertaking, especially at, at relatively short notice for, for Constantin, who had the, the generosity and the, and the courage to embrace this. Uh, we first met in the month of May 2022 and we recorded in September uh, with you know, his very busy schedule in the meantime. So we also were already planning on, on performing the um, Johannes Brahms uh, Opus 32 cycle alongside um, Silvestrov's Stille Lieder, the silent song. And so it would have been just simply too much music. And the choice, that's always interesting, but it was a common choice, it was a common decision, but it felt uh, very natural. You know, sometimes when you're, and I can, I can say from experience, from having put together programs that were thematic programs, so, such as water or, or memory, you can always, there are so many pieces that are potential candidates, but somehow, things align themselves and it becomes obvious it made those particular 12 songs and perhaps it has to do with with the tonality relationship within those perhaps it has to do with the with the with the storytelling with the content um the poetic content but it happens so naturally and 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 almost by itself you know and um so it was not it was not hard it did not feel like something unfair to the rest of the cycle, but also because we know we will be doing it. So, It's interesting because as I was reading through the poetry of these pieces, there is definitely a theme going through these 12 pieces, but I don't know the other 12 pieces, so I don't know if they're all interconnected, which I'm guessing they are. This theme, though, seems to be very much about winter and fall, kind of a little bit about decay, maybe even heartbreak, is that the intention of this set of the poetry? No, yeah, it's 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 beautifully said. Yes, it has it has that element of of uh, sort of ever present nostalgia. Um, this this you know bittersweet feeling and expression. This this looking back. Uh, this aspect of in German is say rückblick, uh, the idea of looking back. You know, onto the moment when everything changed, and it makes it gives. The music, this quality of poignancy, um, emotionally speaking, and so it's uh, it's 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 quite intense, and at the same time subtle. Uh, so it's a very very special world. Yeah. I want to talk about the singer who joins you on this recording because he is key to why you're even doing this. Absolutely. You've been looking for the right singer all these years. Tell me how you knew that Constantine Krimmel was the right person to do this project with. Well, okay, so I was very lucky to to work with with wonderful singers, Bryn Terfel, Thomas Kostov, um, Christina Schaeffer. And I spoke actually with some colleagues about doing this cycle. Um, it just did not seem meant to be. It's, again, quite a... Quite a significant amount of work, I think, for for any singer, um, especially all of those with with busy, active schedules. And Constantin, I knew his voice, and you know, his voice as an instrument is already by itself uh, magnificent. And then, as an artist, I I thought, well, he he might very well be the right person, but of course, he will be the one who will decide simply by his willingness to commit to the project 
or not. And so artistically, I, of course, had no doubt we wouldn't have met in the first place. Uh, but then there was still that element of, of um, yeah, of, of decision, of commitment and saying, yes, I take this on. And again, um, I was so deeply impressed by by what he did with it in this in this short amount of time. He had not been singing in Russian before, even though it was his intention always at some point to do it. And uh, yeah, it was uh, just incredible. And the 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 osmosis between his his voice and the content of this music, the the you know the warmth, the depth, the colors uh, in his voice are absolutely. Absolutely ideal for for well not only for this music he can do all sorts of repertoires and I can attest to that because um, I've been the lucky witness to it but it's just uh, it's just a, a beautiful partnership. Yeah. Music on this recording is from a live performance just outside Berlin, correct? And the composer was there at that performance. And let's talk about what that was like, especially for you, because if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time you met Sylvestroff, is that right? Absolutely. Well, you know, for us, it's a dream, because how often do we fantasize about being able to meet composers and... and and ask them questions about their artistic process or their source of inspiration. And I had already been blessed to meet Alvo Pert years and years ago, actually my first project for Deutsche Grammophone, um, playing his credo piece with Swedish radio in Esa Bekasalen. And, and it was it was similar in the sense that we met just actually just before the performance, which was the one to be recorded. And so for Konstantin and me, it was too late to start asking questions, you know, just a few moments between walking out on stage. Plus, we had developed our own relationship with the with the score, with the cycle. But to be able to then rejoin with him afterwards and then really get into his head, that was, I mean, that's a gift. It really is uh, such a privilege to be able to ask a creator. You know, it is something that we always hope we would have had the chance to do. And and there, there he is. And so it's both... It's both intimidating and, and, and wonderful to have that possibility. Can you give me an example of something that you discovered in having that conversation with the composer? Maybe some insight you gained or um, something that was especially memorable about after the concert. You got to talk about what you all had done and perhaps you know something that he saw that he thought was amazing or maybe he gave you more insight on something that now you're going, oh, I see. That's how we'll do it next time. <laughs> yes, yes, potential for growth. I mean, there was both. I think that you know we walked out there, of course, hoping to make him proud, although proud is maybe not the right word. I mean, certainly to not to not disappoint him, um, to make him happy. And the audience that was there, he seemed pleased. But of course, he had things to say, which we took notes uh, of. And, and um, it had to do with the impalpable, intangible quality of the music. And, and, um, and I think particularly for me, you know, being careful um, to not be too present, perhaps. So 
you know, it takes a lot of work because you have to find the, the, the sort of right transparency in, in the touch. And there is this, this infinite you know, variety within that, that soft dynamic range which Silvestro finds in his music. And that probably is the biggest challenge, but honestly, he did seem pleased um, and told us then stories about, about um, how when he was challenged, uh, criticized at a time when this type of language was um, considered perhaps obsolete or, or, you know, well, yes, no longer relevant and was criticized for writing the melody twice. You know, when the singer sings the phrase, the piano plays it underneath. And he said with this wonderful sparkle in his eye, because he's, he's got quite a, a, a facetious you know, um, spirit, even though he's a very, he's a shy, soft-spoken man, but, uh, but he said, you know, there's just too few good melodies these days, and so I would rather write it twice than just, than just once. So that was, uh, that was actually very sweet. But one thing which fascinated me is that he confirmed what I've always suspected was part of the artistic process in composition, and that is that he talks about capturing, catching the music, and, and as it, you know, it comes to him as something which was pre-existing, some some echo, some resonance, and um, and you know when you read the letters by Robert Schumann and Johannes Brahms and and, and Beethoven, and you read about their their uh, you know, relationship to nature and where they got their inspiration, it always seems as if no matter how belabored you know the work might be and how much it got reworked on paper and rewritten, it seems really that the essence of the composition somehow comes to them. I don't know how to refer to you know where it might come from, whether it's from the spiritual world or, or, or some, some place, some, some place that cannot be defined. But nevertheless, what Valentin Silvestrov was speaking of very much confirmed that. And I think there's something absolutely beautiful about it. I know that just a few months before this performance, the composer Silvestrov made a kind of an heroic, dramatic flight from Kiev to Berlin, which is where he is in exile now. And it makes me wonder if this music takes on new or different meaning because of that? I think not for me, because I always felt that, um, again, for all of its soft-spoken and tender qualities, there's something actually quite revolutionary about his spirit and about his, his you know, um, unalterable belief in, in humanity. And so... Within the current context, I mean, it's of course even more poignant because because there's so much tragedy, so many horrible destinies, so many lives lost, and it all seems so senseless. Although, of course, aggression is untenable and 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 has to be, you know, met with a with an appropriately convincing response. But, you know, I don't I don't know what he believes in, but I think um, probably that. You know, life is life is a gift, and and that if there is only one sin, it's to throw it away, and that keeping hope alive is is really the only way to honor lives lost, and his music expresses that very strongly. 
Let's talk about the text that he is setting to music. Can you talk about some of the poets that are represented? And then I would love for you to identify one or two of these pieces where the text just really resonates with you. I know you're going to say all of them, but I'm going to ask you to try to focus in on one or two. I would have to say, because if I start to choose more than one, that I'm going to just have to go through the, the list of all 12 of them. So I would have to say... La Belle Dame Sans Merci, the poem by Keats. And of course, you know, it, it has to do, of course, with the melody. Oh, I have to tell you one thing that Silvestrov said about how, for him, melody is equivalent to a smile. It, it is what enables connection. And he says that for him in music, just as when you meet another being, you will be able to connect through that smile. And for him, he says that's what melody is in music, and that's why it is so so essential. And so probably because of the melody in, in this one piece, there's something so hypnotic about it. And every time it comes back, it has a, a different connotation. And, um, and of course, it's about what better theme is there than, than love in all of its déclinaison? And so for that reason, that is the one I choose. <laughs> talk about the first piece, too, that opens this recording. Song can heal the ailing spirit. It feels to me almost like that sets the scene for everything we're about to hear. Do you get that sense as well? Very much so. I mean, it is what music is capable of. I think even more than text, because music, I feel, reaches even deeper. Um, I think it is the the um, most powerful of all art forms because it is the rawest, and it is what what you know connects to the heart um, and renders language um, superfluous. I mean, it's it's a little. Uh, odd to say that when this is you know, music which was born out of poetry, but again, in this case, music this music is poetry itself, and it is um, even more expressive, I find. What do you see as the role of the piano in these songs? I feel that the role of the piano in this cycle is that of a, of a confidant, the person that you confide in, and I mean, it comes with a high responsibility um, because you, you you have to take in those secrets and 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 nurture them and have them then become the foundation for the the voice of the partner. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
so there's a beautiful give and take, and there is this uh, quality of rubato in, in Silvestrov's music, where you, you steal and, and give time back to each other with the singer, and the music has this, this ebb and flow to it, um, which becomes an integral part of the expression. Even beyond the, the harmony and the melody, that smile, as he says, the timing of the notes and what goes on between the notes is, is, is an integral part of, of what this music conveys. when Constantine is done singing and I don't realize that and you are almost like adding you know you're wrapping it up for him I keep thinking oh he's going to say more no he's not he's not going to say more you're finishing the phrase you're finishing the sentence That's so beautiful to hear, and it's just so. Um, I mean, it's what one hopes is that you become one, as you as you express this music, and then exactly that that's that's what we hope to achieve. That you just really it doesn't really matter anymore whether it's voice or piano. It's only about that 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 whisper, that expression, and uh, and yeah, actually, it delights me to hear you say that. It's uh, it's wonderful. <laughs> The composer says that these silent songs are silence set to music. What does he mean by that? Well, he believes that silence is, is you know, the, the, the foundation. It is what gives sound its, its identity. I mean, of course, it seems silly to say, but without silence, you wouldn't even recognize what sound is. And, and he is a master at that. He has uh, this ability to also create silence within the sound where you reach this state of almost of suspended attentiveness or awareness and it seems infinite you know you sort of lose sense of of proportions it's it's magical really because it, it's not you can't explain it um, it is not something that makes sense when you look at the at the score. It is something which happens 
it's like an altered sense of perception. It is what his music is, is capable of creating. I think that's why it touches people so, so deeply. <laughs> The Music of Silence, featuring French pianist Alain Grimaud and Constantine Krimmel is the baritone. Thanks to Valerie Kaler, our producer of new classical tracks from American Public Media, I'm Julia Macher. <laughs>